0: Well, Brent is gay, and Kalen's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adams gay. It's Homo Superior.
1: Issue two hundred four. I'm Kalen.
2: I'm Clark,
0: and I'm Brent Wingate. And this week we celebrate the start of Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, One of Marvel's best villains returns in this week's What If? Uh, We of course review this week's issues. Uh, Daddy Disney has given us the first trailer for Hawkeye As always, there's a newsflash And because we can't manage to keep a bit going And we forgot all about our mailbag We return to that uh, for a few more listener questions But first, uh, we are going to be off next week um, A lot of us are traveling I'm going to Spain uh, So uh, if you have any recommendations, I'd love to hear them Uh, But instead of a regular episode We are going to have an extra special episode for you uh, we'll be launching our Hickipedia. It's a deep dive into Jonathan Hickman's previous Marvel work, you know, pre-Krakoa. Um, and we're going to be kind of starting where he began in the 2009 Secret Wars. Uh, it's going to be a new kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know, if you guys uh, like what we have to say about Hickman uh, and, you know, kind of exploring an artist's work, we might do it with other artists, you know, further down the line. So check that out and... You know, let mm-hmm. us know if you like it.
1: All right, Brent, Brent, Brent. It's secret. It's secret warriors. What did I say? Uh, and I do have a secret wars. Oh, which no, is I, which is I didn't
0: read all of it. I didn't read all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, but, I, we do need to differentiate the two because he did do Secret Wars, which was his biggest work right before he came back for the X Men. So uh, you know, uh, I it actually
0: I don't recognize the Secret Wars uh, at all. I, I pretend it doesn't exist, but I do abbreviate "Secret Warriors." Normally, I call it the Crete Wars. Um, it's just a, it's just an abbreviation. Oh,
1: wow. like, also, Brent, Brent, I've got a recommendation for you for your trip since you're going to Spain next week. Uh, don't come back.
0: Perfect. Speaking right.
2: of Spain, <laughs> is that what this is?
0: Um, yeah. All right. I'm going to I'm going to talk about Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, which kicked off this week. Obviously, there's tons of great Hispanic artists creators, and performers out there, uh, one resource we wanted to recommend was Marvel Unlimited's Hispanic and Latinx collection. Um, it's featured on their app, and it highlights uh, some of the better stories for characters like America Chavez and uh, White Tiger. Um, it, it's really great. I would check it out. Uh, Kaylin, I believe you also had a graphic novel you wanted to recommend.
1: Yeah, this is, goes back um, several decades, and it's still being published uh fairly irregularly right now but it's love and rockets it's by two brothers uh gilbert and jaime uh hernandez and they what's what's really cool about what they did was they published kind of independent of one another and so um uh, uh gilbert focused like his stories in a fictitious town in uh central america called palomar and then uh jaime focused his stories in uh uh, uh, it was called Locust, and it was focused in, in LA, and so it's like they kind of intertwined, but didn't really interact very much. Uh, again, it's been running for uh, many years. You can find uh, all the volumes on Drawn and Quarterly. You can either you know buy it in, like in your local comic store, or you can uh, get them on Comixology.
2: Awesome. So one thing I always have to bring up whenever I possibly can is this series called Petsy, uh Excuse me, Patsy Walker Hellcat. From 2008, uh, the creator, uh, the Catherine Eminem is the writer, but the creator is David Lafuente and it's gorgeous. It's weird as fuck. It's all about Patsy Walker Hellcat being the literally the only person on the, um, uh, super team of Alaska trying to solve these dumb crimes. It's pretty great. So watch that. See some great art from David Lafuente. Nice watch uh, it watch it now just watch me opening pages slowly it. i lick every single page as it turns very erotically
0: we're definitely doing a stupid creepy episode today <laughs> um so uh we're gonna have two more uh, stuff to celebrate hispanic heritage month uh, as always we recommend you consume uh content uh, so that people keep making more of it all right let's move on to what if episode six Uh, In this episode, we go back to where the MCU began with Tony Stark's trip to Afghanistan and attempted murder by Obadiah Stane, which in this universe has been thwarted by Killmonger. Uh, Killmonger earns uh, uh, Tony's trust by revealing Obadiah's plan and then works his Machiavellian way up to stealing vibranium, killing Rhodes and Black Panther, building a super drone army, and then returning to Wakanda and ingratiating himself within the royal family um this definitely was has been my favorite episode so far i think it um you know is, is perhaps one of the tighter ones as far as not having unnecessary elements or not as many jokes that really pull me out of the action um you know we're two-thirds of the way into the series what did you guys think of this episode and its placement
1: um kaylin uh so the placement is a a very interesting question because when I saw the trailer for What If, uh, I really did think that this was going to be the very first episode Mm -hmm. that aired, not uh, the one of Captain Carter. Because um, uh, when you see, you know, the Humvee going down the path in Afghanistan, that's like the opening scene for the first Iron Man movie, the very start of the MCU. Um, But I'm really glad that wasn't the first episode because I think then every episode after it would have been a disappointment because this is my favorite episode of what if thus far. Uh, I thought it was really well handled. Um, I thought, um, you know, there was like to your point, Brent, the humor worked really well and um, all the various elements came together pretty logically. It was the best kind of what if for me.
0: Art, do you have any thoughts about the episode in general?
2: No, I do. I mean, I mean, when I first started watching, watching, it, I was like, "This is this going to fit?" Like, not tonally, but just in terms of, you kind of forget that they're similar in age. Like for some reason, he, he, they seem like I don't know. I guess it's just because um, the actor is so much younger than the character he portrays that it just felt wrong. But as it went, goes along, it it's logical, interesting. I mean, I I liked it a lot. It's not my favorite though.
0: Yeah, I definitely. I think it was interesting, not just the kind of contrast of like, oh, yeah, I guess they kind of are or were contemporaries, but that um, Mm -hmm. this story, you know, kind of felt more close, uh, more akin to like a Captain America story than either a uh, Black Panther or Iron Man story. There was like it was it was more um, espionage. Exactly. And. That you didn't i mean yeah you had like super drones and the technology of wakanda but those things are kind of incidental to the story and it weren't they, they weren't part of the fantastical construction um so the creators of the show you know couldn't have anticipated the timing uh and speed of uh biden's pull out from afghanistan but they certainly would have been aware of uh the fact that this would be falling near the you know 20-year anniversary of the war in afghanistan um what what light do you think the the pullout or you know kind of our moment in afghanistan casts on this episode if any is there anything that we can do i would have said would they would they have known i mean i i I don't think you could have made the the episode and 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 have it be afghanistan starting in afghanistan and not have thought about that
2: i don't i don't do i don't agree
0: kaylin
1: i think if the episode was a lot more about afghanistan i think it would have been one of those things that's like i could see disney saying let's not air this one but um because it's just like literally the first minute of the episode is afghanistan and they've got to mirror you know what happened in the first iron man movie it's just one of those it's like okay this happened um you know and then they they definitely re that it was uh uh, Stark was attacked by the 10 rings, uh, again, brought up, uh, in, in Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it's about like, not even about like the Taliban or Al Qaeda. It's, it's about, you know, this like fictitious Marvel MCU, uh, criminal enterprise. So I, I think it was just, it just was a, a coincidence more and nothing else. So
0: maybe I'm reading into it too much. I guess when I go back and I look at, um, Iron Man, I think of that movie as being very much a rah-rah, you know, maybe we don't do war the right way as the country, but if we had X that would make our technology better, or, you know, if we had the right people, that there could be some way that you could police the world um, in a way that's just. And I think that the existence of someone like Killmonger you know, his character arc was all about how, you know, there are so many people who are oppressed and who are pushed around by a country like America that the contrast for me feels so uh, transparent, but maybe I'm looking into it too much. Clark, were you going to say something?
2: No, I was just going to say this sounds like some of the dramatur- excuse me, dramaturgy questions I ask um, where the actors are like what are you talking about? And their eyes go glassy. <laughs>
0: Can't tell if that's a compliment or an insult, <clears throat>
1: Galen. Well, I'm. Uh, so the first Iron Man came out in 2008, right? Uh, and that was the year that Barack Obama won his first term for president. And one of the big reasons he won the Democratic primary and then the general election is not so much Afghanistan, but more Iraq. But Afghanistan was certainly part of it. America was just really tired of the war on terror um, because it had just you know, failed pretty spectacularly under the Bush administration. So the zeitgeist in America at the time was, um, you know, is not that if we just fought this right, we could have won, it's we're tired of war and we need to move on. Uh, Obviously that didn't play out over the next 13 years or until until this last month or so. But um, if the zeitgeist is what you said it was, then John McCain would have won that election
0: sorry i did not mean to say that the zeitgeist of our country i mean what the movie kind of has which is in general when you have um anything to do with the military in order to get like some of the military funding that goes along with producing movies there's this kind of general positive light that they always must be cast in and i think that tony stark fits into that fantasy for a lot of viewers that's fair Uh, Maybe not enough to, you know, really move the meter because, you know, if we're viewers of it and we don't feel that way, then who cares? All right. Uh, What did you guys think of Killmonger uh, and uh, Michael B. Jordan's voice acting? It
2: was clearly a very good plan because, you know, he got what he wanted to do. Well,
0: it didn't seem stupid either, which I liked. Yes. He played every part very well.
1: Uh, It, It made me uh again lament the fact that they killed him off in the first black panther movie because he's such a compelling Mm -hmm. antagonist um and like even though he was the he is the bad guy uh and was the central bad guy of this episode i was in a weird way kind of rooting for him like i wanted to see like what he was capable of next and when he's in wakanda and uh Little, you know, anime-inspired, like Stark bots come in, and then like they're under the force field, and you know they lose the the, the link, um, and then he's got that little button, and he presses it, and I was like, "Oh, you motherfucker!" Like I know exactly what you're doing. You're trying to ingratiate yourself with uh, King T'Chaka. You're, you you want to be the next Black Panther? Um, like, what an impressive gambit.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that uh, it's amazing how good of a character they had for them to go we don't we don't need this for other
2: franchises (laughs) really i I really like the scene at the end with like the other black panthers you know where he has to go to the tree and you know become the panther just i don't know i like the intensity was between you know multiple panther panther excuse me
1: and i never i never realized how badly i wanted a team up of shuri and pepper Potts until that scene
2: (laughs) yeah i didn't hit his plan hasn't gone quite right has it
1: yeah what is interesting
0: how yeah at this point that we like uh you know in each of the episodes even in the dark ones or the ones that could presumably have a dark ending. Mm-hmm. There's, a temp- there's a very strong move from Dizzy to go. But hope still rises. Everything's yeah. going to be okay. New Avengers, guys. Uh, were there any Easter eggs you guys noticed? Most of most one gets 100 points.
2: I was going to say the scene where we see Gwyneth Paltrow put that jade egg in her vagina.
0: Perfect. <laughs> I, I, I might have forgotten that scene. Uh, but I'll go back and rewatch it. Uh, 100
1: mm-hmm.
2: points to Clark. All right, was so it, let's move well, on
1: to. Se- oh, was, it post-credit, was it a post credit? Was it a post credit sequence?
2: No, it was uh, the very first scene.
1: Oh, uh, I did. I did actually have an Easter egg that I, I picked up on uh, because, um, yeah, because um, uh, Killmonger said he was an anime fan, right? Like when he was mm-hmm. showing his design of like, it looked like Gundam. Uh, yeah. I went back and looked at like I was just looking at weird anime, and then I saw um on dragon ball z is it vegeta is that who you no, say vegeta, yeah. vegeta vegeta if you look at his armor it looks a lot like killmonger's armor
0: yeah that's because mm. of michael b jordan actually is it because really He is a, he's, he's a huge anime fan and so he had a, a very strong input on the design of the uniform oh that's so cool all right but that is a good easter egg um I did also like that they integrated it back to being the kind of similar to the uh, mech suits that were in Iron Man Two, even though that was yeah. a kind of shit movie.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, let's move on to some issues. Uh, we don't have any. We don't have anything that like denotes.
1: Hey, it's issues. issues. Because <laughs> these aren't it's good. Uh, we need a okay. sound of like turning a page. <laughs>
0: Yes, the exciting sounds of page turning. Kaylin.
1: Yeah, you there you we go. To speak. Right. Yeah, uh, so we had three comics this week, two of which uh, are in uh, our X books. The other one is uh, Last Annihilation book. First up, Marauders 24 by Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto. A strange alien named Lando Calrissio, I mean Eden Rexlow, Rexlo, crash lands into the peak and demands to see Emma Frost. The Rebels, I mean the Marauders, head to Tatooine, I mean Araco, to go deal with Eden, who's made his way over there from the peak. Turns out he's a rogue Nova Corps member with an axe to grind with the lovely Miss Frost. Emma and Kate have a most Isley esque tussle with Eden, who tries to detonate a thermal generator. Luckily, Sebastian Shaw, who happens to be uh, there drinking on a Rocco, steps in and absorbs the blast. He offers Eden some cash, uh, of which the mutants have a ton of, but Eden decides to keep the cash and betray the Marauders by jettisoning them into space. Oh, and back on Earth in New York City. Uh, Lourdes Chantal reappears in front of X-Men's Treehouse headquarters. Uh, so a couple of questions for you all. First, why isn't Ryan Kroll here on this podcast to review a book with so many Star Wars homages?
0: Listen, Ryan's a coward and he is That's the right answer. He says he's on vacation in California, but I believe he's currently cowering in his bathtub <laughs> in D.C. because he's sick of answering the hard questions.
2: I mean, this is a bad comic about fake Star Wars. Why would you want to read it or watch it or listen to us or talk about it at all? Because he's have a bad Ryan,
1: person. Ryan even likes bad Star Wars.
2: Well, this is shit. Yeah.
1: Um, I actually didn't hate
2: it.
0: I mean, I thought it was kind of pointless, but, uh, you know, as far as like a filler, it was okay. Um, I don't know. Have we ever heard of this, you know, guy? No. Okay, good. Nobody, yes. and it
2: confused the situation. I don't know which time, which time when the Nova Corps exploded was he from. They really tried to give us a
0: lot of uh, infographics about so this one nobody. So
2: much bullshit about him. I don't get was wasted time. Do they only have seven pages of actual information? I mean, actual comic here?
1: You know, it's interesting. Uh, when when Hickman launched his you know series of books two years ago, Marauders was well above like mm-hmm. almost almost all of the pack like it was so exciting to read it had direction it had you know just like a really fun uh, swashbuckling even though they didn't do a lot of pirate stuff like sort of uh feel to the book um but it just fe- it's been feeling so aimless since the Hellfire Gala maybe even a little bit before and um it looks like the book is actually going to end with issue 27
2: I don't know if you've seen solicitations or know. not, but it, it says their first tour is over.
1: Yeah, meaning I think that either they'll go on hiatus or you know they'll start a, a volume two yeah. when they do all the uh, when they bring when they restart all the books early next year uh, or most of the books next year. I, I don't know if they'll restart like X Men or Wolverine. Um, but it it's just it was a fine issue. It was a fine issue, Brent. And I think the art was nice. It's just like, w- what was the point of it? except for the Lord of Chantel appearance in the very end.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the pointlessness is a real problem, I guess, uh, if you're trying to tell a story. Uh, Phil Noto's art, I, I just enjoy so much. It's very easy to look at. I like the way he spaces stuff. Um, the very kind of first page, this ship is approaching the planet Araco, and the second sword station. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. you got to dock. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna dock. And they pause and go, wrong answer. And then fire him down. If I could just have a comic of this sword station shooting down ships and running their (laughs) general operations, I would love that.
1: Yeah, there's some very entertaining stuff. And I mean, the fight scene in the bar I thought was really good. And I like the way that Noto draws uh, Emma's secondary mutation. Like, she looks like she is literally made of diamonds, not just a woman made of glass. Um, so, like, there's a lot of cool stuff. It just was like, well, okay okay. I,
2: I like your idea, but only if every, like, four pages someone explains exactly who they are and they just let them in. After killing, you know, a bunch of people <laughs> who say no.
0: Sure. They're like, oh, yeah, you're you're Belias Lexio.
2: Sure. Yeah. you're on the list good to
1: go no no that guy's cool yeah we've been
2: expecting you (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) welcome to Club Morocco (laughs) I'd be great with that
1: what's up with Lourdes I thought um, Sebastian Shaw was told that she couldn't be resurrected am I misremembering
2: Um, I mean they Emma did it though right I don't know it just happened no remember she was never dead
1: Oh, she was never dead. That's yeah, it. That's right. They were tricky. I and now gotta she's go back. back
2: to do some sort of tree thing. I don't know
1: tree thing with the X Men. Well, I mean, it's clear that Dugan's putting all of his time and effort into X Men and none in Marauders. Like it's just well, he. Little...
2: I'm assuming he's going to be the lead of the whole thing now. Remember when uh, we'll talk about it later? Never mind. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Well, we talk about Hellions. We'll talk about that.
1: Yep. Yeah, to be continued. All right, so let's move on then. Trial of Magneto, number two, by Leah Williams and Lucas Vernick. Burn- uh, uh, the Scarlet Witch is still dead, and Magneto, the main culprit of her murder, is being psychically interrogated by Charles Xavier and Hope. The Avengers show up on Krakoa to collect Wanda's, rem- Wanda's remains, and while the Earth's mightiest heroes take a tour of the island, the mutants debate on how best to keep the res- resurrection protocol a secret. Turns out Emma's got it under control. She's created a mental illusion of her and the cuckoos sunbathing. Hope wakes Magneto up and tells him that under no circumstances can the Avengers be allowed to take Wanda's body away from Krakoa. And the rest of the issue is filled with the most histrionic, silver-agey brawl between Magneto, the Avengers, and the rest of the Krakoans. During the fight, Magneto's scream confesses that he murdered the Scarlet Witch after all. Or did he? Because an angelic-looking Wanda descends down and gives Vision a big old kiss. Oh, and Mystique is lurking in the bushes, too. Okay, what's going on?
0: That's a really good question.
2: I I don't (laughs) don't know if the question is, what's going on? Is it, why do I care what's going on?
1: That could also be a question. But I think... um, I think... If I'm going to be charitable about this book, I think there's a lot of... um, Like, sleights of hand happening right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Where... Clearly, that's not Wanda. Um, you know, that may not be Magneto, um, which is why he doesn't sound like himself and why he's wearing his well, um, old it, costume.
2: It's, Go ahead. It, it's hope forcing the subject, isn't she? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but why? Because she knows something fucked up is going on with the body. It 's supposed to be dead, but also not a mutant but
0: this is so it 's so hard to talk about this because <laughs> the hope is like, no, 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 under no circumstances can you let them look at the body so Magneto shows up and he does the whole yes, I did it. take me fake ploy, um, but obviously, why wouldn't they still want the body afterward but <laughs> But it doesn't. It, we don't have any reason to understand why it's so important to keep the body, or or what it really, what anything really means, or who cares. Uh, there's all that fake, you know, poetry around whatever the fuck Wanda's doing in the middle of the issue, where she's like <laughs> floating like Sailor Moon, like, all right, <laughs> fuck off with this. Just tell us what's happening.
1: <laughs> yeah, if late. I, yeah, it, maybe. In retrospect, when the miniseries is done in the next couple of months, we'll like kind of look back and say, "Oh, okay, that's what was happening." But we're judging these issues as they come out, and this issue was a failure on its on its own merit, in my opinion. It just felt tonally off. I was like, "What? What? Just what the fuck just happened?" Um, the dialogue was way, way off. I mean. Like, Magneto grabbing Kyle. Actually, that, that that scene should have made you happy, Clark. Um, no. uh, Magneto grabbing Kyle and, like, trying to, like, you know, threaten to kill him if he doesn't get his way uh, was it, it, uh, ridiculous, but...
2: It didn't make me happy. I thought that was actually the worst part of the entire comic. The fact that Leah Williams is still trying to make North Star and Kyle matter is just a waste. It's like, look at all these main characters and then just, like, these schmoes who i used to quite like north star but i think he's just a waste of space captain now. america's
0: like hey what's going on with kyle you remember kyle kyle right, yeah, and his like, name, like, right "Kyle!" everyone is so love love with this oh, guy who... how does captain america remember my husband kyle
2: jesus he's trying his best up. to talk to to um anybody it's just i don't know couldn't stand it waste of time for me
0: but didn't you like it when polaris goes don't worry I've got this, and then does nothing. Doesn't she? Literally didn't do
2: anything. He just kind of floated up her into about, the air. She didn't
0: say something inspirational or <laughs> use her powers in some compelling way. Nope. She's out the next panel.
2: Yeah, they just started talking about her house or something that she made.
1: Yeah,
2: the boneyard.
1: Um, I will say one of the things—it's not just in this book, but it's—it's um, it's in New Mutants as well—is I like the development of the five starting to rebel against the quiet council, uh, wow. mm-hmm. or at least against uh, Charles Xavier, which is essentially the council right now. Um, I think that that's a very interesting, um, you know, story idea uh, to like, hopefully, you know, creators will, you know, uh, will head down in, in future, in future volumes. Um, but I'm, I, I would like to see where that's going. Mark?
2: I do like the part where, I'm um, going back for a minute, when Polaris says she didn't get a an, like an A, quote-unquote, version of a PhD, but she still got a PhD. like She like, did the bare minimum to get that PhD.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I will say, you know, mystery is hard. And trying to set up a story where you keep people interested, but also you're, you're revealing enough stuff that like, or not enough stuff that they, they're constantly wondering, you know, it's a difficult thing to do. I don't think Leo Williams has really figured out how to do that um, effectively because it just maybe like the best case scenario is what you were saying, Kalen, is that later we look back and go, Oh, I see here are the, here are the plot points that kind of work, but the execution is just so hard to kind of get through and make sense of.
1: Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, um, clark you'll remember this is as much as i love grant morrison's new x-men uh magneto's portrayal when you know zorn reveals himself to be magneto mm-hmm. and magneto is just such a silver age type villain um it like was like the worst part of that book a, a run a, of a run i really love like that's what this portrayal reminded me that of and it was just like uh, it just took me out of the book completely i was just like reading it and i was like what the fuck is happening All right, let's move on. Uh, Last Annihilation, Wakanda, by uh, Evan Narcisse and German Peralta. Dormammu's forces continue to invade the universe, and a recently liberated intergalactic Wakandan empire joins the fray by helping the Shi'ar defend Eri, one of the five planets that Dormammu needs to set off uh, for his cosmic pentagram. But to add a wrinkle to this worsening catastrophe, the Shi'ar and the Wakandans have a strained relationship. The Wakandans... But the Wakandans save the day by re-engineering a weapon they'd previously used in the Shi'ar to liberate Ares' moon, which was in the process of being turned into a a giant, mindless one. Storm joins the fight, making Adam very happy. And where's Adam right now, that piece of shit? Um, And T'Challa hands over the keys to the Intergalactic Empire to M'Baku. Clark, what'd you think?
2: That was the longest comic I've read in my life. There are like 7,000 word balloons. It wasn't long at all, but like it just I was like, oh, God, I just there was too much information for one issue.
0: This definitely had a Tolkien feel like, okay, so so and so runs this empire, which has been at war for eight years. And (laughs) then 50 years later, they had a treaty of, but there was this <laughs> war crime that they did, and then Alice was a problem as the queen. You're know, like, okay, I don't need the backstory on all of this. Not, I could have picked up some of that from context. I, I don't need an exposition dump for it. Kaylin.
1: So the last Annihilation has been going on for like the last, what, two months maybe, or give yeah. or take. Um, and, you know, all of the issues that have been in it, like Guardian, Sword... The one-shots, including Cable Reloaded, and then the Wiccan and Hulk- Hulkling um, one-shots—they all made sense. This sort of came out of left field for me. And I mean, as much as I love seeing the Wakandans, uh, and I know they've got their intergalactic empire, it just was like, oh, let's include them now somehow uh, when they're when they haven't been mentioned in, uh, to the best of my knowledge, in previous um, uh, in you know in, in previous issues of this saga.
0: I mean, don't you think you'd be more interested if you were reading the uh, the kind of Wakandan storyline now? Like, it, like it's just not something we're currently reading, so it doesn't have any fun crossover feel.
2: I, I yeah. think it's it's because um, no one was using the Wakandan Empire until Coates finished his story because they didn't know That's how it's the issue. Act. So basically, yeah. no one except for people who read that one series has any idea what the fuck's going on which is why we have M'Baku, we have the, like the girl that's in charge of the alliance at the time, and then there's another child that's at home, and you're like, how many fucking kids are involved in this? And then it's... Maybe, I mean, that's why I thought two issues would have been good. Or just, as Brent said, just cut out a lot of the back stuff. and Just say, who this is the person in charge. Are they going to help or not?
1: Well, I think it's also... Um, if that the Wakandans had... Uh their inclusion had been seeded earlier Uh in the series. Like if there was a mention in an issue of guardians and an issue of sword, you know, agent brand saying, you know, fuck, I got to bring in T'Challa to help and save our asses or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, or storm says it as like, you know, queen of Saul, you know, she says, go get my former husband, you know, like he knows how to take care of business and not just in bed, you know, like that would have
2: been, (laughs) Oh, no. no. (laughs) Oh my god, I don't want that line at all. Yeah,
0: wait, what was that? What was that fucking line about vibrana tracks or whatever?
2: What's his name?
0: Vi- uh, vi- <laughs> something. I've never heard of this guy before. He's not very dude, important, they, they,
2: clearly. They, He's not, but
0: they, they have like, oh, here's this character, and here's like a fun little quippy thing about them. As it's if we were so sad, Vibra- Vibraxis. Vibraxis, Vibraxis. He's the master of vibration comma somehow still single like whoa that is very sexual
2: <laughs> for this I random like man we've never met before i mean obviously no, a few you,
0: you hey it's hey yeah. it's five braxis this guy fucks
2: <laughs> not you, well enough you, to have a girlfriend
1: did you ever read fantastic force clark back in the early 90s no i did not i didn't either but he was a member okay yeah
2: but did he just fuck all of them
1: yeah he just fucked
2: y'all ready to move on no yeah well
0: it's a sort of simit trailer park with just one trailer exactly uh so the mcu (laughs) yeah that's terrible yeah uh the mcu has finally done a diehard with their first trailer for hawkeye which is coming out on november 24th it's super Christmassy, and therefore i'm uncomfortable uh what'd you guys think
2: i think adam and i both said unrelatedly Quote unquote, cute.
0: <laughs> it's a holly jolly time of year.
2: Yeah.
1: I geeked out because there were so many elements of Matt Fractions and David Aja's mm-hmm. um, uh, series, which I loved. Uh, and also, David Aha is a Spanish artist. Uh, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, like the tracksuit Dracula's uh, and uh, a few other elements.
2: Pizza so Dog. I
1: think Pizza Dog. I think the. Um, The humor is going to be really good in this show. Um, And like for my least favorite Avengers, this could actually, this trailer actually made me excited to see what was coming for the show.
0: Do you think that we will be getting uh, Kingpin in this? And having seen the first trailer, how much of um, uh, the new Black Widow do you think we'll get?
1: Why do you think Kingpin is going to be in this?
0: Uh, That's part of the rumor mill. Yeah, He's, but then he, he has,
1: didn't he, he just some say, deal to be a part of it, uh, a part of something. Mm. I don't
2: Maybe. know. He does have an echo connection.
1: Well, I mean, if they're in New York and they're doing like, you know, underworld shit, like it would make sense for Kingpin to be there. Um, I think we'll probably get uh Yelena probably for my guess is a two to three episode arc. Hmm. Mini arc within this, like what is mm-hmm. a six episode series, probably. And I do think um, this is probably, a, I don't think it's a spoiler really because it happened in the comics, but like the Ronin that we see, even though like the fa- the trailer sort of makes it look like it's uh, younger uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye, I think Ronin is going to be how we're introduced to Echo.
2: Yeah, I mean, all three of them have been r- Ronin at one point or another.
1: Yeah
0: well i think it looks okay i don't like how much christmas is going to be involved um but
1: why do you you hate christmas more christmas
0: christmas is a terrible holiday and christmas movies and tv shows are awful um (sighs) that's my that's my fun opinion
2: (laughs) (laughs) terrible you
0: well, you don't have to care about opinions anymore because now we're going to a news flash. It's all objective news. All right, Sabretooth is coming out of the pit and into his own title by Victor, La- uh, Victor Laval and Leonard Kirk. Um, he is not going to be in Krakoa's uh, prison forever, apparently. That ends in January. Uh, there's a couple of other titles that go along with that that are you know that have been announced for December. Um, we've got a villains for hire. There's going to be a fantastic four. Um, and I think there's a couple others, but, uh, what do you guys make of all this new comic news?
1: So uh, the question, the question I have is Sabretooth supposed to be, whether it's a mini series or an ongoing, my guess is probably a mini or an unannounced mini. Like it ends after six issues is it supposed to be like the new, uh, line of books that's coming out in Marvel just kind of jump the gun by putting up their solicitations or is it going to be kind of separate from that after the, uh you know, 10 lives of Wolverine, 10 deaths of Wolverine comes out, which relaunches like, you know, oh. uh the vast majority of the X
2: books. I'm assuming something that happens in the third episode of Inferno means that Sabretooth is out. So something Mystique's done has caused him to show back up again. Cause you know, that's what she does she and Sabretooth have a really fucked up relationship that includes both of them raping each other at different points in time
0: yeah i mean that definitely does seem like the trajectory at least as far as you know comic timing goes um moving on uh, uh hellions is ending with issue 18 which is you know really shitty uh but we're getting the co- goblin queen back and uh, apparently the creators of uh, Hellions are like, no, this is a good thing. Don't worry about it. You know, things have to end. Uh, is- how do you feel about Hellions going away?
2: They didn't say it like that. They said this is literally the ending we had planned from the beginning.
0: Yeah, that's... it. Started yeah. With how a how goblin is that queen. different from what I said? <laughs> you make it seem like, <laughs> it seem like hey, crap. Hey, things have to end. You know, who cares? Whatever. No, We're, we're happy with the way this is going out
2: the way the reason I talked about earlier the um Dugan thing is that it seems like with that quote it seems like he's gonna be taking the lead on all the x stuff going forward mm-hmm. just because that's a very random person to say no, you know he's not involved with the comic uh
1: no, I think Clark I think if Clark is right, which makes me a little nervous for the x books moving forward, but I always was once oh we found out that Hickman was leaving but it is mm-hmm. what it is but I also do think you know um I know X Factor was canceled and a lot of people while we didn't love it a lot of people did love it and they were all mourning it um you know somebody put out like a tweet that said you know Jason Aaron's Avengers is still is like at 50 issues now meanwhile Hellion's a book that's phenomenal ends after 18 issues it's like Well, I mean, a book like Hellions was never going to go on for very long. Uh, One, the sales never justified it. And two, it was telling a finite story. This is not about like, you know, a ragtag team of mutants that gets a different mission, you know, every few months and then they go do it. Uh, It was an exploration of what it meant to be an unwanted Unkrakoa you know, uh, and have to deal with, you know, um, a snake in their own midst and that snake being sinister. Uh, so I'm kind of excited. They get to to kind of go out on the way that they want. Um, and I think that's, what's going to happen with the vast majority of these next books too. I think, uh, Marauders, you know, they're finishing their premier mission as Clark mentioned earlier. Um, I'm sure at some point we're going to get an announcement that sword will be ending. I have a feeling X-Force, um, this current version incarnation of, of X-Force is going to come to a close in the next few issues. Please it looks like, because it looks like beast is going to get what's coming to him uh, in one way or another. So, okay. um, so we've got to kind of, uh, I'm kind of excited to see what's coming next, but um, I don't know. Dugan is hit or miss for me. So uh, a little nervous about that.
0: Well, all I hear is that uh, you don't think Hellion should go on forever and therefore you hate the Hellions. He bold stance, Kalen. I mean, that's a really bold stance, but if that's what you believe. Okay, in other Krakoa news, um, the sixth issue of the X Men is going to introduce a new patriotic hero. It's Captain Krakoa. Uh, who are they? Uh, why should we care? What do you guys think of the actual outfit uh, for Captain Krakoa?
1: It's hideous and I love it. <laughs> No wrong answers was the, uh, the design
0: choices <laughs> that they made.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, what Coco Chanel says take off one thing before you leave the house. And Catherine Bourgo
0: says. 18 oh,
2: worse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were setting up your own bit, but I decided to. It, looks,
2: it. it looks like when all the teen X Men, you know, when the original five came back in their teen costume, it looks like when they shoved them all together. Yeah, I mean, this a little looks
0: bit. like. So the costume is this kind of uh, uh, obviously this is the color choice you want to make green and red with white and also teal uh, with a series of kind of crossing X patterns on the chest, green shoulder pads and forearm covers, and then a, uh, a green, you know, domed glass mask with some sort of red stuff on the side. The I have no red idea what that's shit? supposed to be. I'd, I thought it was, might be gills, but it could just be shitty hair. Um, this <laughs> does look like a rejected character from Children of the
1: Atom.
2: That is very true.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, I do think that, uh, I mean, I, I, considering that like in universe Jumbo Carnation is like the designer for the mutants and that most of the Hellfire Gala looks looked really, really nice. You've got you know, artists like Russell Douderman and Pepe LaRaz like helping with design of the characters, I think it's purposefully gaudy, uh, which is why I said I, you know, uh, it's hideous and I love it. Um, And I think, I think that conceptually, the idea of Captain Krakoa is silly, but it kind of makes sense in its own way. It's like, why isn't there a a Captain, you know, Krakoa? Um, You know, like, like there's a Captain America or a Red Guardian or any, or Captain Britain or any other like sort of like patriotic hero. Uh, I'm sure it'll be just for like that storyline and then that that character will go away. But I'm interested to see where it goes.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, it could act as a criticism of those like nationalistic sounding superheroes or maybe it's a new character that everyone rallies around and says like, yeah, go team Krakoa. I wish they were a country that was real. So my uh, new favorite writer, wait, why does it say that? I've loved Jeff Lemire for a long time. Uh, one of my favorite writers, Jeff Lemire, uh, is tackling <laughs> one on. of my favorite characters, Swamp Thing, in a three-issue series called Swamp Thing Green Hell. Um, it is going to be uh, drawn by Doug. What's his name? Doug Menke, uh, who is a great artist. Um, I always forget his last name. Uh, who has thoughts on this besides me? Perfect.
2: I just, I'm just...
1: I'm just just laughing at the fact that you just read that line for the first time. You're like, why did it say that?
0: Well, I read it before, but I wasn't actually like, I I saw all the words, but didn't think that I would be saying them out loud. Um, I think this is a great choice. A lot of Jeff Lemire's works are very brooding and slow and pensive and they're about like regret and the choices that we make. I'm a little bit worried about it being a three-issue story because Lemire's works are a very slow burn and his action sequences, while good, uh, are very few and far between. So how much this can, you know, really play out, you know, makes me a little bit nervous.
2: Uh, Clark? Very interesting when Brent is knowledgeable about things. I've never seen it before. (laughs) Yeah. That's
1: the... Most condescending thing, Clark, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well,
0: it's the, it's the hour with Clark Whitehead.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was going to say, Brett, I agreed that, like, I am excited that he is writing Swamp Thing, uh, and I'm glad it's a Black Label book, which allows for Lemire and Mankey to, like, kind of really push the envelope and the, the horror and the more adult themes. Three issue miniseries, I think, is um, it's I'm sure it'll be a fine story, but it would have been nice to see like a 50 issue long, you know, kind of uh, long form story arc that Lemire could do on Swamp Thing, but maybe he didn't want to do that. Um, the other thing, also, uh, Swamp Thing was made some news on Twitter because uh, a writer, Alex DeCampi, Brent, you and I met her, uh, at uh big fan of comics a few years ago when I geeked out um when it was her and Carla Speed McNeil. Yeah. Um well she basically put out a pretty condescending tweet in my opinion say, all right, guys, uh can anybody tell me why the fuck you like Swamp Thing? I'm paraphrasing here. It's like, uh besides, you know, your like, you know, fucking like love affair of Alan Moore. And then she kind of got ratioed because a bunch of people we were like, well, I mean, it was men, women, non-bi- non-binary individuals saying, look, I love, some people were like, I love Swamp things because I love plants. I love Swamp Thing because of the sort of uh, diversity of stories that you can, you can tell. Uh, I love Swamp Thing because some of my favorite creators have been on, on the book uh, and the character has a long, lot of longevity. I like Muck monsters. Uh, but Brent, you love Swamp Thing a lot. Why do you love Swamp Thing so much?
0: I thought the answer was um, obvious—that I like Swamp Thing, (laughs) but other people shouldn't. (laughs) Like she's right; people have no reason to like it as much as I do. But uh, it's because it's just Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein's monster. Um, It is the story of a uh, someone who, uh, for no fault of their own doesn't belong in the world and has to learn how to uh, live being something that, you know, they were forced to be. So I think it kind of resonates a lot with um, uh, queer people. I think it resonates with anyone who has, you know, suffered from any, you know, physical or mental health issues, because there's so much of the story that is inherently about kind of accepting your fate um, and, and, you know making peace with it plus he's like the og plant daddy like give me them thick vines henny
2: i can't think about him without thinking about red um red stripe oh oh, yeah
0: red stripe yes the worst product placement in a television series on earth and the dumbest uh reason why a tv show has been canceled we we thought you were guys gonna give us 40 million dollars. No, no, no. I we forgot. said 14 million dollars.
1: Okay, we're canceled. About that. I forgot all about that. I actually hey, forgot about that. Is that your favorite beer? Series. Red
0: Stripe.
2: <laughs> oh Unbelievable.
0: sorry, sorry Kaylin. What were you saying? Uh this episode's brought to you by Red Stripe. Red Stripe, yeah. It's a beer that I like and everyone else else does too.
1: That's exactly what I was gonna say.
0: All right, uh, last bit of news, uh, one of Kalen's favorite series, Grendel, is being adapted into a Netflix live action series. Kalen, what's the way that this is going to work out uh, terribly?
1: Um, you nailed it terribly because I love Grendel a lot. Uh, I think it is a, if done properly, the series can really kind of uh, unfold the way that the comic series did, where it wasn't just about one character but about successive characters and then about an entire movement uh, and like said far into the future. Um, Netflix has not done well with comic book adaptations. I mean, Sweet Tooth, Lock and Key, um, uh, Jupiter. Of shows? Uh, some of the Marvel shows are all right. Uh, Jupiter. What, what Jupiter's, Jupiter's legacy? legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which shitty, but that was a shitty source material. Anyway, it's just, Netflix, like, when they do that stuff, they tend to sort of pitify uh, or uh, make, the, uh, make the material be a little more toothless. But I fucking love Grindel, and I hope they get it right. Clark? Clark,
2: To me, Grindel's all about the art. I mean, the art style's gorgeous, the coloring, it's everything. The, a comic is not, I mean, the, Netflix is not going to do that not going to be as visually stimulating in comic form that it is it's just some guys there and now we've got some normal house or some sh- i don't know what they're going to do can if, you if explain the character they...
0: grendel and yeah um, like what why the art is so important for that story
1: so yeah so the character was created uh by a guy named matt wagner who's both a writer and an artist um and he's got what i call a very like cartoony yet like dark and sinister style and he's had a Grendel's had a bunch of different other artists like work on him as well. So Clark is right. A lot of it is the visual flair of the way that the book works. The character started off by um, a guy named Hunter Rose, who is a very young, like, um, like, you know, like uh, famous author, like, like a genius beyond his years. Uh, but he also, uh, because he's incredibly bored with life, he becomes a character called Grendel and he ends up like just, Um, taking over New York's underworld. Um, And then his main antagonist is a werewolf that works for the police called Argent. Um, And uh, they fight over the uh, kind of the the love and affection of Hunter's uh, like stepdaughter, young Ward. Um, And it sounds pretty basic but it's actually a very interesting crime story but what makes Grendel so much more interesting is when once Hunter's story is over, the story still continues um, because then his uh, uh, um, his foster granddaughter um, ends up becoming Grendel herself, and um, like she's got to deal with stuff in the near future. And then she dies, and then somebody else takes over. He dies, and then like Grendel is dormant for a long time, and then. <laughs> It becomes about everything. It is, but it's it's like I mean, it's a lot of stuff that like you know people should definitely know about, like how uh, expansive the series gets. It moves five hundred to a thousand years into the future, uh, and it becomes much more about um, how society has changed completely and the influence that Grendel has. Fred,
0: my pitch would be that we should just stop letting Netflix do adaptations of graphic novels. Or comics at all, and force them to have FX do them, because I think that they have a much better tone and approach to some of the artsier stories uh, that I would like a lot more. And they they care, I think, about stories in a. Li- they've got maybe a better mechanism for producing television or television like this, um, especially with something like Legion under their belt. Um, all right, uh, last bit. Uh, let's go to the mailbag for some mail facts. Okay, uh, so we got a question from Power of X Men: uh, Which is a character you don't want to see on Krakoa? Um, mine is Warlock, uh, and I'm very annoyed that I've seen him at all. Uh, but if you have one that hasn't appeared, uh, who is someone you don't want to show up ever?
2: I'm trying and to think. Was it, who has not? Was already it Onslaught?
0: Was it Onslaught before he, he came?
2: <laughs> He's already shown
0: up. I know, but before he showed up, would you have thought Onslaught's a great choice to not be here?
2: No. Same even way.
1: though I've even though I've said that like I've I've thought that Beast and X Force might actually be Dark Beast, I don't want any of the characters from Age of Apocalypse showing up on Kakoa. Mm. I don't want X-Man. I don't want Sugar Man. I don't Sugar Man's want already there. Well, fuck it. Um, I don't Holocaust want Holocaust. Fuck it, um, and <laughs> I. That's it.
2: Yeah. Uh, and just then we from gotta, like storyline, I, I hate Henry Gyrick so much. that I don't want to see him set foot in it because you know he'll be up his own ass trying to think he's so goddamn great and just start yelling at people. I fucking hate him.
1: Who
0: is Henry Gyrick?
1: Piece he's with Orca, He's with Orcus now. He's uh he took over Alpha Flight. When brand went to go reform sword,
2: red, but, um, red, uh, red buzz cut, glasses, dickhead. I remember he was um, Manifold was stealing something from him with his going through.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, fuck that guy, um, uh, and then the other question we got was from Tomes of Evil Pod, um, what are the top five X Men villains that aren't Magneto? We're not gonna do top five. I just want you guys to tell me who you think is a great alternate villain uh, for the X-Men that's not Magneto or any kind of organization character that you think acts as a great antagonist
2: towards them. Clark- I don't really know what villain would be anymore now that all this has happened. I think the top five in general would be Magneto, Mystique, Sabretooth, um, Apocalypse, and Mr. Sinister. But they're all in some sort of, you know... Some are good, some are bad, some are, I mean, they're just all nebulous at the moment.
0: Well, so one way of thinking then about what uh, might be a villain in the context of Krakoa is which characters are gonna forward the demise of Krakoa fastest?
2: Well, I mean, we know that yeah. answer.
1: So I think, I actually like the way that Orcus has been unfolding as an organization, even though none of the individual parts, Henry Gyric sort of accepted um, are all that recognizable or memorable. Um, um, like, I like that, like there is a, uh, you know, like an organization that is there, not just to fight Krakoa, you know, in battle, but also try to fight it through culture and through by influence, uh, with the world's governments. I think that's really neat, but the real answer is Nimrod, who is also yeah. part of Orcas.
2: Yeah.
0: Big fan of Nimrod. Uh, he's great. Thanks for your guys' questions. Uh, I hope that they were satisfying in some way f- a month late. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's been our episode. You can find us on Twitter at homosuperiorx Superior X and Homer Superior and Instagram at homosuperiorpodcast. Superior Podcast. Rate and review us if you like us. Uh, next week, we will be off again, but we will have our review of uh, Secret Warriors, or as the kids are calling it, Crete Wars. Uh, we've been Homer Superior. You're home for shitting down Brent's throat if he occasionally knows things. (laughs) Bye.
2: Bye.